to this debut of season three of Crossing Phase podcast. We are kicking off with our one quarantine edition. We're going to try to keep quarantine and coronavirus talk limited on this because everyone else is talking about it. So if you want to hear something other than coronavirus talk, uh, this is your podcast for that after this episode because we are going to talk about coronavirus on this episode. Uh, But after a brief hiatus during the month of March, we're calling it spring break uh, for a number of reasons. Uh, Both John and I had to be off microphone for that month and uh, we're returning to the mics today. And John joins me once again from, I believe, upstate New York. Welcome back, John Penna. How you doing, bud? It's good, good to see you. Good. Good to uh, chat if, with you. If people are listening to this podcast on the web uh, or Twitter or Facebook, uh, please know you can also get it through any of your favorite podcast distribution systems, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, uh, iHeartRadio, Spotify, we're all the things. My favorite is Overcast. You can find us there too. But Well, that's only if you have the bandwidth because everyone's, you know, Corona listening, Corona watching. That's right. If you're, if you're sharing uh, bandwidth with, with your family and neighbors, uh, then you got to think ahead of when you want to listen to a podcast and, and download, download them early. So, John... Uh, you're in upstate New York. Uh, we're grateful that you are back stateside because you were outside our borders when this pandemic uh, really started to spike around the globe. And so I think it'd be interesting for people. Uh, it's an interesting story to hear, I think, uh, how the pandemic changed your travel plans. Uh, but why were you abroad in the first place and where did you go? Sometimes, you know, you just you need a burger overseas. So you hop on the plane and just go for lunch. I I like to think that that's, um, you know, I well, I was doing some I had to do some research on freedom of religion and belief in Afghanistan, which that's how this whole thing started, which is the European code word for international religious freedom. So freedom, religion, religion and belief means international religious freedom to Europeans. So um I had I stopped in the UK and I had uh, some meetings there with some some members of parliament and then uh, um, some security, some issues about security. Um, as people know, there's a peace agreement going on with the Taliban, which I feel is very um, one sided. I've been very passionate about that. So I think that there needs to be more inclusive, not just Pashtuns, Pashtun Taliban. And it needs to be more inclusive of uh, the Uzbeks and Tajiks, the different ethnic groups, Hazara and so forth, as well as the multi-faith religious groups that are in in Afghanistan. As And in addition, women. Uh, um, there needs to be a gender balance when it comes to advocating for peace um, and if the Taliban is going to integrate into uh, the parliamentary or you know, jirga structure that is the, the Republic of, Af- of Afghanistan right now, it needs to start off with a roundtable of all parties. And the Taliban needs to not be waiting outside with an AK-47, you know, yeah. for everybody. That's <laughs> in the so, um, you know, and so I, so, so I've been working on some security issues, diplomacy issues, also with uh, uh, this freedom of religion belief. I'm doing a case study of international religious freedom in Afghanistan, um, and uh, and then the third element is is that I had some some uh, multi faith engagement work that I was doing in uh, in Jordan. Uh, so. Uh, and I'm just going to say, you guys are so big on the Nineveh Plateau, mm-hmm. start of Christianity. But mm-hmm. I'm—I got to say, I'm pretty sure the start of Christianity was Johnny B in the river with Jesus, with the with the baptism, which is in Jordan. Like I don't, I don't 
Like you guys, no one talks about that. The cave is there. Yeah, yeah. It's right there. The start of Christianity, right in Jordan. You know, you got the they have half of the um, what is that called? The Dead Sea. There, you know, it's in. Uh, why? Why don't you guys talk about this? Jordan should be celebrated as a multi-faith success story yeah. in the Middle East. That's number one. Number two uh-huh. is the beginnings of Christianity are right there. Boom. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, you know, it depends on you got the uh, Jerusalem business, but you know, yeah. arguably, there's a lot of holy sites going on there. Sure. Well, but remember, Nineveh in our tradition predates even Christ because of the whole no the 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 whole Jonah thing. The Jonah thing, yeah. Well, but okay, so you know, like, where's okay? What, what's the beginning now? Like, see, now we're talking about. Like, I talked with a friend of mine once, and he said, "Oh, well, even you know, even evangelicalism, you know, evangelicals were part of the apostles." And then he goes all the way back, and then he started, and I'm going, well, "What are we talking about here?" You know, so what do you got? What's the, considered the beginning of Christianity? Because uh, yeah. we're talking about Abrahamic law, right? Israelites, boom. Then, and that's the Torah, the book. It's a, it's because the center is Jerusalem. It's not yes necessarily rabbinic yet, right? Uh-huh. So it's there's rabbis, but the center is still Jerusalem. Then you got Jesus pops in, right? He rocks in there. Then you got and the apostles and all that business. A, a, then a, few, you, a few bits of history in between Abraham and and Jesus. Well, let, let's. I mean, let's just be. I mean, Abraham is way out. You know, way out. You know, so let's just. Right. Let's, you know, I mean, this is a condensed, no, you know, we're and not no gonna... way out before him. So, you know, well, that, yeah, I'm, I mean, I'm not burning anybody's, you know, uh, you know, arc down or tabernacle right now. I'm just, we're trying to get, you know, it's a radio show and you always say, let's do this in 40 minutes. So, okay. Uh-huh. So, so Jesus, Jesus, you know, he had priesthood, right? Because he rocks until age 13, gets barmas, disappears, comes back 29 and then starts doing his priesthood. Right. So, and then we all know what happens, right? He becomes a murder victim. So, all right. So right at that point, it's a Jewish Jesus, Jewish Christian movement. Yes. And then we've got this sort of, I you know, if you could see my hands, it's like a gauge mm-hmm. where you get the Pauline situation happening. Right. We're not going to get, we're not going to muddy the water with the Pauline. But then it becomes a diaspora movement. Yes. And that diaspora movement starts, um, Diaspora movement starts while the Jew, the Jewish Christian movement is going on. Yeah, the the Romans sack uh, uh, Israel. Yeah, and Jews and Christians in seventy ish disperse, and and right disperse, and it's the center ceases to be Jerusalem, and Judaism becomes a rabbinic faith, you know, or a faith that's based on the rabbis in no central city, mm-hmm. and then or, or or area, and then the the Gentile Christian movement really kicks off. Yeah. So, you know, in my head, I go, you know, oh, well, you could, you could argue that Paul is really, you know, Peter and Paul, those, you know, because they were in cahoots, weren't, were really, that's really the beginning of Christianity. What we call the Christian faith today, sure. Right. What we would call the Christian faith. But then there's Christian tradition and Christian, I don't know, like pre, like proto-Christianity which where would you consider proto Christianity to begin? Right. Because I can like on in Islam, I would say proto Islam began really with with Jesus, uh-huh. uh, with Hazadisa, and evolves with Hazadisa into what I would what 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 is the, the Gnostic Gospels, and then takes off that way. Yeah. 
Um, that's that's the, I would I would I would argue that in a court of law. Right. And I'm doing a lot of research right now on that. And you know my thing. So, but but then we got this whole business with where do you th- what's what's proto Christianity? Yeah, that's a great question. What I mean, would you I, consider that's going to be de- probably depending upon the scholar and the tradition. I mean, we obviously. Christians I think you should just entire, call it now because you know what I mean. Like, let's just call it now. You we'll, know, like let's, we'll go back to start. Genesis one. But but in in reality, it's going to be somewhere between Genesis one and then it, it, Abraham. We talk about Abraham as the as the father of the faith, and that he was justified not uh, in the same way that we were um, because he was looking forward to a savior. He didn't know Jesus by name, uh, but his faith was in the future provision of a savior sent by God, just as in we, our, we're looking back, uh, to Jesus as that savior saved by God. So, uh, if you were talking about, uh, Christianity as proto-Christianity, as far as like how we define salvation, um, then I would say, you know, at least as far, or far back as Abraham, because it's, it's the, um, it's the object of our salvation that we're focused on. And so we're um, relying on, if you're going to call it proto-Christianity, um, maybe not by institution, right, or by creed, right. um, but as far as like if we're defining Christianity by a, a belief in a particular way of salvation, uh, then it has to go at least back to, to Abraham, uh, if not further. So I, you know, I remember. So I was, the Jehovah's Witnesses just come to our house in New York a lot, a lot, mm-hmm. and uh, my father was just chat with them. So I remember them whipping out this chart, and they were like, "This is mm-hmm. what happened. This is when the, you know, the, uh, the end of days the story started in like 1950 or something. I'm making this up. It was, but it was in the 20th sure. century. Yeah, yeah. They, they like pulled, they whipped it out, and they were like, "See." And it was great. I was, I was like, yeah, this, this like we need more of these infographics. I was like, right? it's very yeah. compelling, you know. So, yeah. it, it, is there what's the chart that you would that you would reference? Like, what's oh, the gosh. timeline? In, and is there one? You know, like there's the, you know, you know, I, like I know that the Jehovah's Witnesses have a good kind of get a Jehovah's Witness. They you gotta pop this on because they have this cool chart uh-huh. that is. And I'm 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 googling it, but I can't come up with it because there must be a name Here, for it. Here's, here's the I'm okay with charts that lay out historic data, like from the biblical scriptures, because it helps align. Because our Bible is not uh, typically published in a linear, historically linear, or chronological format, right? The books of the Bible, um, from Genesis to Revelation, they're all they're published in different orders for for different reasons uh, that we don't have to get into right now, but. Um, if you start getting into charts that are more speculative uh, and looking into the future or trying to orient current um, uh, current news cycles and current events within a, a biblical timeline, there I'm going to be super skeptical, regardless of who it comes from. Yeah, uh, and and we see we see some of that even within my own evangelical tribe, um, uh, depending upon what stripe of. Um, eschatology or study of end times uh, people yeah. come from. So we, we, we see that, uh, you know, up close and personal within evangelical circles and uh, certainly uh, kind of the categories of new religions and folks like uh, um, Jehovah's Witness and, and others have different takes on that kind of thing. So uh, infographics and, and timelines are fantastic um, in the context of understanding the b- biblical record. Uh, if it gets outside of that, I'm, immediately skeptical. 
Okay. So, all right. So get back to this. Let's just, okay. like I said, let's just nail it down to the question. Proto-Islam ends and Christianity begins. Okay. At the time of Jesus's priesthood or at his baptism thereabouts when he's 29. Okay. And do you agree? Disagree? Do you like 80% agree? Oh, it, can you're we talk about if, if we're whatever, however we define proto-Christianity, you're saying yeah. we're saying it, it ends, ends when, right? And then ends it's in, into formal Christianity at the time of Christ. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I go with that. Yeah. Okay. All right. See, I mean, like, let's, you know, we got to start doling out some, you know, at least some truth, some fact and truth bombs here and just say, like, this is it, you know? So, all right. So I, I guess the, my, you know, my biggest problem right now is that everyone wants to go and worship. I got slammed on Twitter by this guy. Yeah. Well, hey, before we go there, we're going to talk about complications of, uh, religious freedom and worship in the context of a pandemic. But we triggered this uh, rabbit trail into uh, scripture and proto-Christianity, proto-Islam, because you were in Jordan. How did you get back from Jordan oh, in the midst of a pandemic, oh, for crying out loud? Oh, well, so so I don't, I can't remember all the weeks that, uh, you know, everything has transpired in the last <laughs> month, to be honest with you. But um, what ended up happening was that the, the Jordanian government was really on top of this. So in February, they had already limited movement. Wow. Uh, is maybe this is the third week of February, they already limited movement. Yeah. So I was, I was in the UK, I was trying to close my meetings and get over there as fast as possible because we thought that, well, it, I had information word that they were gonna start closing the airports down. And I was like, well, I could, I can weather the storm out. Yeah you know, in the Johnny B cave, you know, like whatever. So well, I figured, cause you know, what a great place to be, you know, as a, as an, you know, an, an Amer you know, American Muslim backhand descent, high desert climate yeah. is like, that's my jam. That's your jam. So there are like, tw they're like, tw they're like 2,000, 2,800, 2,400 feet above sea level, high desert climate. They have Petra, right. they got Aqaba. Yeah. You know, we're talking Lawrence of Arabia stuff, you know, all kinds of good. They've got, um, uh, you could just hold up, you could just hold up in, in Petra. It's first of all, I've, I've done it. I've gone to Petra Have you really? and I've we, lived, I've lived in a cave there for like 10 days. No kidding. They, you can, you can, you can Airbnb a cave in Petra right now. You're kidding. Well, not right now, but right. no, no, no. You can, but I've, I, but the, with the tribe that runs it, yeah, I have, you know, I have long, long ties with um, um, with some of the tribes, particularly the Hawitat, which is uh, the tribe that helped in Lawrence of Arabia, uh -huh. you know, what's his name? Anthony Quinn. So um, the Kufia, one of the Kufias that I have was given to me by their by by their tribal chief. I mean, so um, we, I, one of the, the ones I, I wear all the time. I mentioned it because my wife and I, Crystal, we just watched Albert Lin's um, documentary on... Is it is it Netflix or is it Prime? Um, but he did the, the he did a whole thing at Petra. It was fascinating. It's it's you know I'm I just got I just got to be honest with you. I mean, it, you know, it was it's, the National Geographic program with uh, Albert Lin, Lost Cities. So, Albert Lin was the program. Well, we'll have to we'll have to post. Yeah, I'll, I'll link, he, I mean, I mean, no joke, no joke. Um, you can Airbnb a cave there, but I ha I happen to have, be very close friends with one of the, with one of the tribal leaders there that runs that area. And, uh -huh. um, I, I, 
you know, gone into the high desert and, uh, and I started there and I was just like, you know, I'm not going to go, I'm not going to pop into Petra and then just start riding right out. And they were like, no, you can stay here as long as you want. I go, what do you mean? They're like, this cave's all over. This is years ago. And I go, what do you mean this cave's all over? And so they gave me like a cave. They had pillows. They had the carpet. Wow. I was, you know, I had tea. There's a guy running tea to all the different caves. I was, and I'll just be honest. So here's the problem. This is the New Yorker me. Nerve wracking. It was nerve wracking (laughs) because the candle in the corner was so worried about falling and burning the carpet Uh and then it consuming me. Right. Right. Because right. it was a small little thing. I was so nervous about that. <laughs> so, um, but, but it was, you know, it was a wonderful experience, you know, to kind of hang out and do your thing. But yeah, you can Airbnb a cave in, uh, in, in what's it called, you know, entire place. Wow. You know? That's awesome. All right. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. I don't know what it's like now, but, sure. yeah, yeah. um, so I rocked in outside the, outside uh, the pandemic season. <laughs> right. So I, I, you know, I, I was in, so it was great. I was in London doing my thing. And then I was like, I just got to go. So I went and, uh, of course, you know, ping the embassy, chatted with some people over there, uh, pings some of the, the multi-faith crew that's over there, um, including the prince to say hello, see what's going on. And then, um, you know, cause you know, I'm big on the Amman message. And so, uh, was trying really hard to hammer engagement, but then they started closing everything down. They started saying, yeah. you know, only essential travel, uh, uh, and then uh, they 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 shut down all the all the sites, so you couldn't go. Um, and uh, and uh, so I went around a little bit, uh, went up to Jarash and and uh, and out to out east and a few other things. And and I had a contract; I had some work to do out there anyway, so I was doing some work out there. And then uh, and then I was hunkered down for a little bit because everything kind of shut down. Yeah. And, uh, and I was sitting there and was you know, chatting with some of the MC people and doing some stuff and wasn't really able to enjoy Jordan. And then they said they're going to, I don't know, maybe it was there 10, 10, 10 or 12 days. And they said, we're going to shut down. They're going to shut down the airport on a Monday at 12:59. It was like, anybody wants to stay fine, but anyone who wants to get out, it's now's the now's time. The time. Yeah. And I, I, you know, admittedly, I have a lot of juice there. So I was like, I'll just stay. But the Jordanians were saying it's it's not it's not time to stay, yeah. and and the reason was that they were doing is there was a they 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 didn't build a building but they the government established a hospital in the middle of the desert, and you know there was one case of corona but anybody who was suspected of corona was going there. Yeah. Um, then uh, you know in Muslim countries, just like here in any country, you know it gets a little a little bit crazy. It, 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 it could, it could, it could erupt into like, you know, martial law looting. Right. You know, you know, we had that with, you know, some riots in California. I've had it in New York. We've done, you know, so, you know, it, it was, there was, not only was the embassy saying, look, it's probably not the greatest time to do it, but my contacts there in Jordan were saying it's better to leave right now because if you can't leave, the facilities that will be available will only be at the embassy. And then what happened? They shut down the embassy. Yeah. So the U.S. embassy there and the U.S. embassies everywhere are on teleworking and they shut down the embassy. So all the medical facilities, the embassy are shut down, too. And uh, and it's like you got to go use local sources and yeah. the Jordanian medical system. I'm not passionate at all. I think it's great. The point is, is that I don't want to be using services for people that are more in need. Sure. You know yeah. what I mean? Because I'll get priority. And that's just not cool. You know, it's yeah. so um, so I popped over to Qatar 
and hung out in Qatar for a little bit and then was visiting some friends in Kuwait, you know, and, and that's, you know, now I'm in an undisclosed location hovering above, <laughs> you know, the planet like the Mahdi. That's my, my Muslim friends are going to freak out if I said that. So, um, but, you know, it was, it was, it was a little crazy, you know, and I had, and my travel to Afghanistan got canceled because of Corona. They, you know, my visa's sitting there and they're, they're just not letting anybody in. So I'm doing my research remotely, uh, which is much more difficult because it's primary source. So it's like interviews, aggregating data, translating yeah. documents from six municipalities on freedom of religion and belief. Yeah. And, uh, um, and uh, you know, for a contract that I have for, for a grant. So it's, uh, it's, it's nerve wracking to be, we're operating this way. Yeah. Um, so that was, that was the the journey, the circuitous journey. But I'll be honest with you, you know, Jordan's one of these great places that's got McDonald's, man. <laughs> so you actually you know, could have had a burger outside the U.S. It, it's first of all, it's burgers in Jordan are probably in the top three most delicious burgers, really, in the world. So they do this whole thing where they have this like whole, like pound burger, you know quarter they do quarter pound half pound they do this whole thing right. so they're so they've got that going on the the burgers the mcdonald's burgers are delicious are um, they different than they are here in the states yes they are and they're named differently i, I can't get into the names i have no idea what's going on but they're all named differently so I, I would go as far as saying turkey's probably got the best mcdonald's burgers on the planet second is jordan and third <laughs> is there's a hamburger stand there's a there's a mcdonald's stand right next to the air and space museum that's a that's that's mcdonald's and i don't know what they're doing to the burgers there but they are the most delicious <laughs> i've been there i don't remember anything particularly remarkable about the burger but <laughs> did you get the burger or did you get the nuggets because you look like a nugget guy no I, if i go to mcdonald's i'm generally a, a quarter pound with cheese guy double quarter pound with cheese guy so i'm just a, a two cheeseburger meal yeah that's yeah. my situation yeah so huh so, right. so, you know, been, so been around trying to do my stuff and, and, uh, you know, was, had a, a really thoughtful engagement, you know, in, in Jordan. I, again, I just don't, I do I don't feel that, that Muslim countries get their due. And I'm just going to say Jordan has a big multi-faith game going on. That's not celebrated anywhere. Huh. Kurdistan. You know, I was just there a little while. Yeah. A great multi-faith game that no one, no one gives them credit for. Um, I'm not going to muddy water with Qatar right now, um, but certainly UAE has got a game going on there. Yeah. Um, and uh, and and I just I think that they're you know they're not models that can be duplicated because they're unique yeah. to the country, but I think that they're models that should be celebrated just like any place else. You know. Yeah. So. Um, you know, I, I just, uh, but it's, it's interesting, you know, to be engaging these countries and back and forth, but I, I'm sitting here going, this is the Jesus baptism site, baptism site. That's, they're like, no, this is Johnny, this is the, John Baptist is a cave. I was like, I'm like what? I was like, what? He's like, yeah. That's awesome. I'm like, I'm like, what are you talking about? I was like, this is, so this is the wilderness. They're like, yeah, this was the wilderness, you know, this is all this whole area. Yeah, and they're like pointing around doing this and doing that. And they're like, oh, Simon of Perea was up there and just north of the, the like the lake, the, uh, what is it called? The, the thing, the, 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 the Dead Sea. Yeah. 
So I was like, what do you mean Simon was up here? Simon, you know, Simon was one of the guys that claimed to be the Messiah. You know, the whole Simon Perea story, right? So uh, he was, uh, he was a, a prince, I guess, up in uh, the northern part of, uh, of uh, just north of the, of the Dead Sea. And he, okay. he, he, uh, he claimed that he was going to, you know, die, be put, put in a tomb and resurrected. Oh. And the Romans, the Romans, the Romans, the Romans are smart. They're like, okay, well, how about this? How about we kill you? And we don't, we don't let anybody bury you. And we cut off your head. So that's what they did. So they oh. cut, so, so they, they, they left him in like him and his little, his army in, in a, in a valley and they put guards up, posted guards. They cut off his head and left the body there. Uh-huh. So he was able to fulfill the prophecy. Huh. So. I don't know if you know anything about Simon of Perea, but no, um, I wasn't familiar, and, but yeah, I found a little Wikipedia well, you know, entry. I'll post it to the show notes. So, I mean, I'm not going to, I'm not weighing in on whether or not he, you know, <laughs> I'm not going to muddy the water with yeah. whether or not we would be saying, talk, saying Simon instead of Jesus. But I think it was something it's, it's interesting on three points. One is it demonstrates that the idea of resurrection predates Jesus Two, it it demonstrates that the Romans took it seriously, and three, uh, it shows that there was uh, a, a a tradition of followers for such an enterprise uh, that predates Jesus. And this is I can't take credit for this. Um, um, the, uh, the exhaustive research was done by. Um, uh, oh God, what is his name? Um, the guy who is the naked archaeologist, the guy that we talked about. He did okay. him and his his a group. He has a crew uh, of scholars that that spent quite a bit of time doing research on this. Yeah. Um. And uh, and and so um, I, I admittedly I haven't read, I haven't really read a lot of it, but so the, 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 the this comes out of sort of. I have. It's interesting because I have stories that were told to me about the diversity of Judaism, Christianity. You know, the Abrahamic lineage and all this other stuff that were that my grandfather, great grandfather, my father are very passionate about. And a lot of this stuff is like an oral tradition. And then it's interesting that in recent years, literally the last ten years, some interesting research has been done about these this these traditions. Um, and some scholarly papers have been written about it. Yeah. Uh, yeah so. So that's so I wasn't doing any research on that, but I thought it was kind of cool to be, you know, in the valley that Simon sure. was yeah. murdered in. And uh, and then, you know, sitting there and talking with some Orthodox, you know, priests and and engaging with some of this. And there's not a lot of Shia in that part of the world um, mm. because, you know, Iran, the anti-Iran situation. And so, you know, as a non-Iranian Shia, you know, I'm not a 12er either. It's just it's interesting to talk, have people that talk that don't don't know the traditions and don't know what's going on within their own faith. You know, they're, they're generally Muslim, but they're kind of like cultural Muslims. Yeah. Uh, and so, so it was a, it was an interesting deal. And then, uh, but yeah, no, I'm I'm well. I'm happy. I'm healthy. How was your family? They, you know, what was your your journey? Yeah, family's you healthy. Uh, we've adapted to the quarantine. Uh, my my wife is a nurse practitioner, so she's in the medical field. She's been doing telemedicine for the last uh, week or so. And uh, my brother's a registered nurse, and so he's been working at a hospital. Or my my wow. uh, my brother-in-law. And so uh, uh, he's remained healthy, and uh, we're taking all the... Uh, 
necessary precautions, but uh, so far we've been pretty pretty decent. Um, my wife has one relative that has been diagnosed. Um, it sounds like she's pulling out of it at this point, but she was certainly in an at-risk uh, category of folks. Um, and over over the age of sixty, I think. So uh, we're we're proud right. for her her recovery. But uh, well, yeah, good. but um, our what church is your, adapted. What's your well, wait a minute before we get into yeah. the back to religion? What's your stockpiling fetish what's the thing that that makes you feel safe that you need to stockpile you know is it toilet paper like everyone else or is it like cheetos yeah you know we um we've resisted stockpiling um and so we've still been i mean so you guys are looters so you guys are (laughs) looters if something goes on you guys are just looting everybody really need it that's what that means we'll just get out the baseball bats right and go take what we need like we don't stockpile we like to stay mobile i love it i love it as the camera pans to like your mobile you know you know reading van to maraud around you know in the municipalities everything we need to know to survive the quarantine uh in the pandemic we learned from mad max yeah listen am am i wrong like just think about it. I mean, everything you need to know is, you know, get you. Know, I don't know. I think you need a doll face to right. have the one guy, the doll head. But well, what's, yeah, I what's, just, like, what's funny to me is, I mean, this is, you know, this is very kind of, you know, uh, white collar socioeconomic uh, situation. But, you know, I've been working from home because I'm doing the PhD thing. So I'm just all, all of my work is remote and, and home. And now my wife is working uh, from home and I've got more zoom calls than I had, you know, two months ago. So like for me, the social distancing thing has actually increased my, my social activity <laughs> from, from where I was so, before it. Well, here, so here's the question. So, all right. So you don't have a food that you guys fetishize. Not really. Well, I, I, I will say this. Uh, we, have binged a little too much on the charcuterie and cheese boards because it's easy oh, okay. and it keeps I long. See. So, you know, salted and cured right. meats. It's not, it's not good for uh, those of us who want to keep our cholesterol down, but man, it's tasty. So yeah. Okay. So sure. meat, that, meat and cheese boards deal. basically has been, has been our meat and cheese boards. <laughs> yeah. Okay. You're such you a know, posh guy. You're prosciutto a and uh, pepperoni and salami and uh, you know some brie, some brie and some goat cheese, the whole thing. Okay, all right. All is it all local farm to table stuff? Uh, not all of it. I I can't vouch for that. Um, sometimes okay. it is. Okay. Um, but it my my in laws are also in the food industry, so sometimes they bring mass quantities of frozen or um, refrigeratable food, <laughs> foods with long shelf life on them. Okay. All right. So they're are they're, they're smoking meats. Yeah. Well, they're they're yeah. Some of it's smoked, but a lot of it's you know just kind of salted and cured stuff. The stuff you get at grocery store if you're good, you know. Uh, okay. And the pepperoni. So speak. Prosciutto's. All right. Yeah. All right. So speaking of salted and cured meats, what's right. going on with your? <laughs> so say, what's going on with your local church? Right. Yeah. So uh, we're not having any potlucks anytime soon naturally speaking of food. Uh, so our church is adapted. Uh, we've gone for our, our usual Sunday morning, uh, worship service has gone all online and, uh, we have our small groups, usually what we call Sunday school or community groups. We've been doing that, um, like after 
especially before or after we've been doing either before or after um, uh, the service goes live. And the first week, church tried to do it live, um, like kind of all live and then streamed it on Facebook Live. And that worked out okay. The next week, they tried to get a little too fancy. And I don't know if like bandwidth on Facebook for Facebook Live was limited, but it basically failed and we had to all watch it after the fact. And then week three, they kind of got wise to the whole thing and basically pre-produced. So they do some songs, the band records some songs, and then uh, Pastor uh, gives a sermon and then we do another song or two. So that's the basic gist of of our thing. And then the church uh, is trying to conduct its usual... um, kind of local social service kinds of opportunities um, in cooperation with local school needs. And uh, our Sunday school class uh, typically does uh, bagged lunches for um, the special school district here um, for, for kids who, uh, whose families have a hard time providing food for them and that kind of thing. So um, uh, we continue to do that, except not as socially. We used to do that once a month on Sunday mornings, and now um, just a, a slimmer team um, solicits donations of food and then organizes them into into Ziploc bags for the kids. So uh, that work basically continues, and uh, that's kind of how we're adapting. But a lot of churches, um, uh, I think most churches in kind of my orbit, they've done that, and so they've tried to take their Sunday service online in some form or fashion. Um, but yeah, what, what do you, what do you see in the mosque level? It's the same. I think it's, it's the same thing. I mean, I, I am not, I have not plugged into the, I'm not plugged into necessarily the American sort of mosque scene, or, you know, completely, but I know that there's been a lot of, I mean, I watched, you know, Adams, they do the, the last, the last service, last hutbah and, and, and the last Friday, uh, Juma prayer and, uh, uh, watched online and said that we're going to sort of cease this right for now. I mean, I overseas, they shut down places of worship immediately. Yeah. Um, and, you know, places are gathering, certainly in Jordan and Qatar and, and Kuwait, and they were just like, we're done. Uh, and it was, and they've done the same thing here. Um, but I think that the Muslim community is much, because it's, you know, they're first and second generation immigrants, they're much more plugged into the group texts, the group yeah. sort of comms. So it's, I, I'm not saying it, it, I'm not sure there's as there's so much of an effect other than you're not going to the Juma prayer every Friday. Yeah. Um, um, so I think that, uh, that the comms are, are still the same, maybe a little bit more than, than usual, but, uh, you know, places where it's shut down. Yeah. And, and I think rightly so. Um, I, you know, this is this is why how I got into one of those conversations online with someone about it. Um, the Pope made that announcement uh, about four or five weeks ago, saying we're gonna, you know, stop services. And, uh, and I saw this this guy sort of said, "No, you everybody should go to church. Everybody, the most powerful thing is prayer. And uh, and you know you you know show your faith by showing up at church." Uh-huh. And I, and my response back was. Seems like a really practical response. Yeah, you know, like the that the, the Pope was says, listen, we got we got a got a problem. Let's let's make sure that we don't spread it by encouraging people to go to church when we have can. This is one of the few things we can control. Right. And he he slammed me back online. He just said, look, he goes, the power of prayer is strong. He quoted something in the Bible and then said, you know, you're wrong. 
on close but no cigar and i go close but no cigar. i go what are you talking about i, I, I just i just think i yeah i go for, you know yeah well that's the thing i it, the hubris first of all the the i always get surprised on how fast any faith group and not just saying that christians is willing to slam another person yeah you know, and be a and be a smartass. To be honest with you, yeah. with you, um, um, that's one. Um, and this guy was being he was he was being patronizing and a jerk. Two is he was he was basically like striking me and, and striking anybody else for having a like low re- religiosity, yeah. right? And saying you're not really religious if you don't show up right now. Now this is like four weeks ago, yeah, yeah. Oh, right? But you know this is critical in a pandemic to stop. And the Pope is telling his flock. Right. To stop. Yeah, it doesn't get any doing higher. It. He's contradicting. His... Yeah. I, that's what I said. I go, he's your guy. I mean, what are you? And he was like, no, 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 no. You know, like that. And and uh, people were liking and retweeting him. And I'm going, scratching my head going, what are they liking and retweeting? Him slamming me? Or yeah. the fact that, that that they're trying to prove their faith by liking and doing stuff? Yeah. And the, just the fact is, is like, look, you're no more religious. If you go to church, you don't go to church. It, it's... You know, it's it's two things can be right at the same time. You could be saving people by not going to church, and you could be using your power of prayer. Yeah. I think one of the you things know, that, like you could yeah. just be doing it. Have Have you seen any? Uh, Am I wrong? Have you seen any wrestling in the Islamic faith uh, relative to this example? So in Hebrews, um, there's a, a passage about uh, not neglecting uh, the gathering of the church, right? So it's and it talks negatively about those that do. Now, I read that as having absolutely nothing to do <laughs> with keeping people healthy during a pandemic. Um, but there have been, at least in Protestant circles, uh, some flag that expression uh, that we're not supposed to forsake the gathering. Um, and uh, so there's been a little bit of back and forth. I think by and large, most uh, evangelical churches are... Um, abiding by the limitations and uh, trying to adapt. But, you know, to be fair, you know, nobody alive in the U.S. at least uh, has any context for this kind of uh, this kind of pandemic and this kind of action uh, to limit quarantine. So I think, you know, it's it, it definitely is novel and people trying to adapt to it. Um, it does make it interesting to me yeah. where in say you know in, in say catholicism and uh maybe some jewish traditions i don't, i'm, I'm kind of out outside my expertise here um but if if a weekly gathering if there really is something about that weekly gathering or the meeting in person with a priest uh, has significance for the sake of salvation right uh right or, or your ongoing but, but status that's... with god like that that's more of a wrinkle like so for evangelicals where we're of the mind that we believe in having a, a church and a robust ecclesiology um, and and gathering with people. But like if somebody misses a Sunday, you know, because they're sick or they're traveling or on vacation, like nobody in the past has really questioned that. And so in the context of a pandemic, you know, we try to extend grace to one another. And it's, it's not, it ought not be that big a deal. Uh, if you're talking about, evidence of faith. I mean, a, yeah. yeah. I mean, but do you have to extend grace? You could just be like, look, first of all, gathering means something different in, in the present day in 2020. Right. So we're gathering right now, the two of us. Right. So you, there's the one we can gather in the one and two dimensions right now. Right. So you could, that one is 
like we're doing right now. And two dimension is if we're FaceTiming each other or doing the video, right? The third dimension I think is relevant, but it's like, it, it can't, you can't, you have to contextualize what, you know, your, our religions for what, for, for the time and the place and the events. Right. So we're not talking about not meeting because, you know, the, the police are going to persecute us for practicing our religion. We're talking about not meeting to not contaminate our own brothers and sisters and then contaminate that meaning both are religious and non-religious because once you meet and congregate, one person has Corona, everybody gets it. Then they go out to shoot the food shop and then everybody else gets it. Right. You know, and everything. So brothers and sisters meeting globally. So the problem is, is that it doesn't, I just think you just say, you're no more religious if you can't, if you can or cannot go to, to meet in the three dimension, especially during a pandemic. This is like a get out of jail free card. It just, it, you know, and if you do go, you're being irresponsible. Yeah. Yeah. And there's already a track record. Did you see the, the foreign policy write up about the, the, uh, religious cult in South Korea? Yeah. Did you see that? It, it, that spread it, that spread it all. Yeah. They, 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 you know, they, they, limited they kept meeting. It, it had limited it to 30 patients and then patient number 31, they can identify because she was part of a cult of like a thousand people that continued to meet and every, all the rest of their cases spiked from there within a week. It's yeah, pretty ridiculous. Yeah. Well, and it's very difficult because Muslims congregate just like evangelicals congregate. I mean, we're yeah. just, we're very social, yeah. religious groups, culturally, ethnically, right. and so on yeah. so forth, right? So, you know, um, so the problem is, is that, you know, it, we're, we're social people. We want to, we want to meet, we want to have food, we want to, you know, have tea and, and, you know, go, go to the wilds of the night, drinking tea and, and having, you know, matai like dessert and hanging out. Yeah. So it's, it's, it affects the social dynamic, but you know, it's, it, I, I find it hard pressed. Like you, you were playing the Blasio's, um, warning, you know, he's saying don't religious community shouldn't, shouldn't, shouldn't call and shouldn't meet. They shouldn't be coming together right now for health reasons. And I just think that that's a very valid it's a very valid, you know, and they and then he institutes consequences, which yeah. I think if they're if the pandemic, if you remove the word pandemic, fine, then it's religious yeah. persecution. Sure. But once that word is there, you're done. It's yeah. you know where it's health and safety, and I get the power of prayer, but you know I have this I have a meme that says uh, I have this meme that's that has like Jesus knocking on a door that I keep sending to everybody, and it's like he just basically is saying. Look, uh, you know, I'm, you know, I, I'm here, you know, uh, to just tell you, look, uh, stop praying to me because you can, you can stop this yourself by not going to, to church, you know, <laughs> like, so yeah. it's really funny, you know, yeah, we, so we affirm, um, we affirm the power of prayer, but, uh, there's, there's nothing in, in my Bible that, that limits it to being effective when, uh, uh, you know, everybody's gathered in the same room. Uh, we, we, we recognize that God is present where two or three are gathered, yeah. gathered in his name. So, um, well, I just, um, yeah, I, I mean, I just think that, you know, what's the, what's the, you know, what is it that people advocate for? Are they advocating for it? It's also temporary. Ceremony. I mean, they talking about the, the power of prayer. Just pray, 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 pray. But, but that's only part of it. Is it not? I mean, come on. Yeah. 
Well, and and it's temporary. So, in and all the people that are crying the uh, religious freedom flag at this stage is, I think, premature because all of it is. The point is, if, if we do this uh, more aggressively in the short term, then we can all resume uh, normal life and gathering sooner. Um, if the government tries to keep gatherings, particularly religious gatherings, um, barred after the pan- threat of the pandemic is passed, then we have religious freedom uh, issues. Or if they, you know, allow restaurants and movie theaters to start to start gathering people to the exclusion of religious groups, then we have a religious freedom thing. But if it's an all hands on deck and uh, equally viable or equally applicable uh, policy then uh, we got we to gotta play along. And frankly, I think it's an opportunity for houses of worship to collaborate with government and lead um, and, you know, give people a good memory about the last time they had an interaction with a religious group, right? I mean... It's, it's an, you're right. It's an opportunity. I mean, I've been, I've been critical about the Pope. The Pope said, you know, does, he sat down and did a prayer. He says, we're going to, you know, we're going to pray for, we're going to do a collective prayer. And then he says, we're going to do... You know, we're all going to do the Our Father and the and the the Hail Mary, and I'm going. What a what a what a ruined opportunity to come up with a new prayer, yeah. where everybody could join in, uh, whether they're Buddhist, Muslim, whatever Christians, you know, even the Calvinists pop in there, you know, and they and he just you know he could he could create a whole new multi faith prayer that says. You know, we're, you know, the pandemic, this is what's going on and everybody's, you know, does that blah, 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 blah. And we all do this at this hour. And what a great opportunity for religious engagement. What a great opportunity to advocate for each other, you know, which is, which is in a sort of mellow way. I was trying to address that guy on Twitter saying, look, shouldn't shouldn't you be advocating the opposite right now? Considering that what's at stake, you know, children, elderly and the rest of the population of the world and yeah. maybe just come down a little bit. Yeah. Um, I mean, and I, I, Especially given the decline of religious participation in the U.S. and the decline of religious institutions, I just think it's an opportunity uh, to help your neighbors think well of your church or your mosque or whatever your, whatever your religious institution is that you're playing ball and trying to help people during a pandemic and trying to limit uh, illness as opposed to... Uh, as opposed to bucking, bucking the trend. So, well, what, you know what I've been telling everybody? Everybody, bump into it. We're all in this together. Yeah, we're all in this together. You know, so here, you know, and that's the thing. No religion, like the pandemic, is going to affect. It can affect, can affect anyone, and yeah, sure. it doesn't matter if you're, you know, if you're, if you're Abrahamic, non-Abrahamic, doesn't matter what faith if you whether you believe or don't believe, it can affect us all. Yep. Power prayer still there. That's, I'm not saying it's not, it doesn't exist and it exists, you know, it's not something, you know, as a Muslim, we pray, we pray, we still it out all the time. And the, th- but the thing is, is that it's not, we also have a responsibility practically yeah. to, to take care of each other. If someone is, you know, cut their arm open, I'm not going to pray over the arm. I'm going to wash <laughs> it out. I'm going to bandage it up, yep. you know, and, and be, just because it's an unseen thing. It has that sort of sort of sinister, uh, you know, sort of identity, um, you know, the boogeyman type of thing. So, yeah, I get prayer about this, but I just feel like there's a there's a tremendous amount of um, of opportunity, as you say, to collaborate and collectively be working together because we are all 
of the we're all in the same boat no, no matter how many ways you slice it well said this has been crossing phase with john pinna and me matt hawkins a podcast of roll top productions if you like what you hear and would like to defray the cost of the show or just keep John and I supplied with toilet paper during this pandemic, consider sponsoring us at Patreon by visiting us at crossingphase.com. Crossing Phase is available on all your favorite podcast outlets, including iTunes, Google Podcast, Overcast, iHeartRadio, Spotify, TuneIn. We'd appreciate your review of this program, especially in the iTunes store. Let us know what you think of the show via Twitter at MTHawk, at JT Pennant, or at Crossing Fades. Music for this episode is courtesy Vajra, whose music is available at thevajratemple.com and on Spotify, iTunes, and Amazon. And of course, show notes and links for this episode are available at crossingphase.com.